Welcome to Giving Head, the podcast. Wondering what head stands for? What H is for happiness, E for empowerment, and D for development. This is the podcast that will discuss topics from the 40-year-old perspective. This is where we will help to navigate you through this new chapter of your life. I'm your host, Sherry, and my co-host is named Kim. To join this community, push the subscribe button to get all the latest head episodes. And to help our head message grow, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment as well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Giving Head. H-E-D. Now let's get into it. Hey, Head Tribe, I would like to introduce you to the next gentleman that is being featured in our series of highlighting men for the podcast. Jason Lauder was born and raised in Atlanta. He and I met probably back in like 2006 and we've remained friends ever since. I've watched Jason as he's went through his journey from being a teacher to ultimately finding his head in acting. He tells us his story of how he stayed obedient to what was his calling, which was to act. Now, Jason has gotten into roles such as Cressy on uh, Wu-Tang's The American Saga on Hulu. He's also been the voice of Adidas Sports Needs Creation National Campaign in 2016 to 2017. And he has been on stage more than 30 times in different productions since 2009. Jason has fueled all of his energy into acting, but it did not come without some trials and tribulations, which all helped him to find his head and the end. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Again, if you need any motivation or inspiration, this is a great episode to tune into. Welcome to Giving Healthy Podcast. We have Jason Louder. Hello, Jason. Blessings. What's going on? Thank you for coming to talk about your head, giving head, that happiness, empowerment, and development. So we welcome you. So go ahead, Kim, kick it off. Well, Jason, tell us a little about yourself. Where are you born? Where'd you grow up? Yes, 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 yes. So listen, I call myself an AT alien, you know? Yeah, you know, Kim, you, we, we hey. got that established. <laughs> I feel left out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You're not left out, sis. No, you're no. not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, born and raised here in, in um, College Park. I grew up in College Park. Wow. Went to elementary school, S.L. Lewis. Went to Thank Old you. National Christian Academy. Oh, what? That's crazy. <laughs> wow. You went to S.L. Lewis? I did. Yo, yo, see, see. Oh, Mr. Walker. Oh, my yes. God. Mm-hmm. That's- that's, yeah. So, okay. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> We're here. Yes. Um, and Sherry, you're here too. I yes, am. I am. I'm here. there. I came a little bit late, but I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah. There, went to Old National Christian Academy, then um went back to, well, to Evelyn C. West in Union City. So, I played football, North Clayton Park, um, Old National Park, baseball. I am a college park boy. You know what I'm college saying? College Park I'm a, is how people. Yeah. Well, I'm a college park boy. You know what I'm talking about? You know, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All that went to Riverwood High School, graduated from Riverwood, then matriculated at Georgia Southern University. That's my journey. But uh, man, Atlanta is is heart and home. Atlanta's heart and soul. Yeah. So, and I've never been anywhere else as far as lived. 
uh, wow. going to tr- transition to LA for for a little while. Okay. For a little while, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see how how you know that mix can happen because you know LA is quite different. It is. It, it is. is. <laughs> well, tell us, you know, about your upbringing and how it helped you to grow into you hard today. My parents, man, they're from South Georgia, so they have an old school type of, you know what I'm saying, raising us. So my mom, she had to switch, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't have to use it a lot because it was more so like, hey, you know what? We were taught to just respect our parents. My grandma would always say, if you respect your parents and you value them, you count your days longer, right? I mean, that's, wow. Of course, that's a proverb from the Bible or whatever. So always just instilling just respect and love for the community inside of us. So that's one thing that they, my parents, they did that. And love for family. Like, I have a big family. Um, my dad's side, he has nine brothers and sisters. So we would always go down to South Georgia for the summer. And, man, we would feed, we would raise chickens, um, climb trees. It was a country. So we got to do that country thing during the summer. It made me who I am, made my siblings who, who they are. And so that upbringing kind of stuck with me. And today, I truly value my community. I regard our elders. I truly regard them as vestiges for like wisdom for us. And so I definitely value that. Yeah, man, that's what got me into teaching. My grandmother was a teacher and my mom, she taught as well. So I was just kind of like, all right, let me pat, let me keep going. (laughs) Keep the tradition going, you know what I'm saying? So it stuck. And so I recognize that when you instill those values and principles into your child, into the children, that's going to be their foundation. If they might stray away a little bit, they still going to be grounded in those those core values and principles. And that's one thing that I live by, even in my teaching. Wow. I live by. Well, again, this is our mail edition for Giving Handy Podcast. So that is an awesome and great way to start it off. You talk about being from Atlanta and being an AT alien. Did I say Yeah, that? there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared to say anything about Atlanta right now because it's one thing to have one person ever, but to have two. Okay. <laughs> so what college did you go to? Because I know HB, um, HF, what is it? HSBCs. Did I say it right? HBCUs. Yeah. And I went to one, but not in Atlanta. <laughs> but how did, is that a college that you went to and how did that work for you? We got Clark in it, you know what I'm saying? Morehouse, Morris Brown, <laughs> Spelman, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that right. That's the AUC, right? So I grew up knowing that, yo, the AUC, that's what we do. That's where we go. And so I applied to Morehouse, didn't get into Morehouse. And so I also applied to uh, Georgia Southern. So I ended up actually going to Georgia Southern. But whenever I come back to Atlanta, I'll be on the AUC campus, you know what I'm saying? And my mom, she went to Spelman. She graduated from Spelman. So it was just one of those things to where, you know. Familiar with. Very familiar. I actually got got accepted into Hampton and Fisk, but I just didn't get any scholarships. So my mom was like, listen, you got to go where the scholarships are. And so I went to Georgia Southern University. Nice. And I had a great experience there. I had a great experience. We were the largest African-American influx of African-American, largest class of African-Americans that come into Georgia Southern University. And we kind of took over. I'm not going to even lie to you. I was the president of the Black Student Alliance. I joined the NAACP. Um, I ran for student government. We were there. We Our right. presence was felt. You know what I'm saying? Good. 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 And that kind of leads us to then the next question. So... How was life for you after college? Mm. You know what? <laughs> That's a good question. Like, 
because when I graduated, I had a degree in sociology and a minor in African-American studies. I wasn't quite sure like where I wanted to go with it. But once again, that Atlanta network, man, now is four degrees of separation. So at that time, my mom, she had a friend who was a um, principal at a private school called Romar Academy. Romar! Yeah, that's where Romar comes into play, you know? (laughs) So she called up Miss Quash and was like, hey, my son needs a job. So so Miss Quash was like, yo, you can come to our summer program, our summer camp. I had been doing summer camp already at my church. Um, a summer camp called Cases Summer Camp at New Life Presbyterian Church. And so I was already a um, counselor. And then I moved up to becoming like a, a teacher's assistant. And so I went over to Romar to do the summer program, loved it. And then the next thing you know, Miss Quash was like, yo, do you want to be a teacher? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so she, she said, hey, we want to offer you a position in computer and, and PE. And they offered me a position. And it was just kind of like, it was very divine and serendipitous at the same time. So my after graduation transition wasn't as rocky and rough as some people's are. But it definitely had a moment where I was kind of like, huh, what do I really want to do? But also... And when I was at Georgia Southern, we had started a program. We would go to libraries and read to children. And I was like, man, this is really cool. I really, really enjoyed it. And so it was kind of like it led me into that path almost, if you will. It like yeah. the creator, the universe led me into right into teaching. Yeah, that was it my was a, a nicely ordered steps. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like but, for Mr. Jason. <laughs> but hence, that's how Jason and I met. I ended up teaching at Romar and yeah. Jason was there and he was and has always been a light. I don't think I've ever seen Jason upset angry or anything. The smile that you hear coming through the microphone is the smile that he carried all the time. Mm. Um, Jason did play a key role in that school of doing the computer and PE, but he had quite a connection with the kids. That connection translated and went through a lot of art. I Mm. was telling uh, Kim prior to you coming on, um, the one show or play that we put on at the Romar. Do you remember what that was, Jason? It was The Wiz. No, not The Wiz, the radio show. Oh my God. I thought it was like a black history. Like it was um, a black history. We did, they danced like they had Michael Jackson and Tina Turner. It was like, it was so cool. It was so yes. cool. Miss Morris was the truth. Yes, yes. <laughs> So we, we was putting on this show and I'm like, I don't know what the heck to do. And Jason's like, well, let me come in here and can I show you some stuff? And I was like, sure. So basically the show was bringing a radio station to life. We had yeah. the whole announcer and then they announced these people. I mean, different acts coming in and stuff. And Jason was key in that. That was, you know, a humble beginning. But how mm. did you get into the arts of, did you know that that was something that was burning in you to then <laughs> graduate and go through different things that you have since which to reach up to where you are now. Wow. When you think back on it, it's kind of like, once again, just divine order, right? Because even when I was at Romar, I started doing storytelling because I saw Akbar Imhotep. He came to the school and he was doing his amazing stories. And I was like, wow, man, I want to try that. So the kids one day, they were like, hey, Mr. Lauda, can you read us a story? And I was like, yeah. They were like, just make it up. And I was like, yeah. And so, because <laughs> so, I used to do music as well, I was like, let me freestyle a story 
and let me have the kids, the children, just tell me what they want, who they want to be in the story. And I just made up the story as we went. I did that a couple of times. And then when we went to um, the downtown library to go see a, a storyteller, the storyteller was late. And the librarian says, well, does anybody else tell stories? And Uh-oh. the kid said, Mr. Louder. <laughs> and I was like, oh, snap. So I went up and told a story. And that's where Baba Tunde came to life. And that's my storytelling. Alter ego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alter ego. So while I was at Romar, doing, we, we did a couple of plays. And like I said, we did. The, I remember doing The Wiz. I remember doing yeah. The Wiz. And, and the radio show. It was just something that was in me, I think. And it was just kind of like, okay, me, once again, coming from the creative aspect. Because when I was at Riverwood, I started a rap group. And we did a couple of talent shows. We performed in Atlanta at um, at Skate Town and a couple yeah. other. <laughs> so, so the creative energy or creative enigma was already inside of me. Yeah. I just didn't know how it would manifest. And so, mm-hmm. do, being at Romar, doing those productions, it began to manifest more. And then at Georgia Southern, once again, a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I want to do a play, but I need some actors." Me and my friend, we were like. We'll do it because the play was about our rap group. And oh, so, wow. Yeah, so we did a play at Georgia Southern. But once again, I wasn't even thinking like, okay, I want to be an actor. I'm like, yo, I'm doing something with sociology or teaching or, or psychology or something like that. And so all that, once again, just continued to flow. It was almost mm-hmm. like this flow that I was just continuing just to walk in and just stay inside of until one day, my best friend, one of the guys from the group, he called me. He was like, hey. Did you try acting one time? Maybe you should try it again because they're doing a, a play at Georgia State and Shaka Zulu's sister, she's casting. And I think we saw her, we met them and I think you should go for it. And I was like, okay. And so <laughs> <laughs> I went to the audition. I had no idea what was going to happen, but um, they all knew that I was new and they could tell. And so they kind of walked me through it. But once I got into that room and started reading, that scene with the other actor, it was almost like magic. It was like, yo, wait a minute. This is real. It felt so real. Mm. And so each director, because there were five directors and each one of them said, hey, can you read mine? You know, I read it and they were like, hey, can you do a Jamaican accent? I was like, yeah, I can try. So (laughs) I did that. And then lo and behold, the director of the program, she was like, hey, Jason, you got cast in all the productions, but I can't let you do that because you haven't acted before. And so that wouldn't be fair for you, nor would it be fair for them. So I was like, okay, what do you want me to do? She said, choose two. And I chose the two that resonated with me the most. And that yeah. bug bit me. And the rest is our story. The rest is like, wow. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, in line with that, Jason, tell us about some of these struggles. I remember one time going to a club and there you was taking money. You know, you <laughs> was doing the tickets or the money stuff, right? Yes. And I was like, oh, Jason's here too. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, tell us about any of the struggles that you went through because like I said, you can hear your smile and you're always upbeat. But I know it must have been sometimes that you were kind of like, okay, should I just stay teaching? Because I know you went to IMOTAP and I think you were there. You probably just finished up there recently, right? Yep. Yes. Once again, it's just like, it's so interesting how our course, how, where our lives take us. And so 
when you saw me taking up the money, it was because I had met a, a friend of mine. She knew me from back when I used to rap. And she was like, hey, um, I manage Osei the Dark Secret, who is a radio personality at B103. He needs some people to assist him with his reggae night. Yeah. And she was I just need you to <laughs> I just need you to be at the door and be taking money. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> because once I started acting, I started taking everybody's class. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I'm gonna invest in my I have to invest in myself. If I'm gonna become better at this, I gotta invest. So I was in everybody, I was paying two hundred dollars a week a month to take everybody's class. And so doing that was like, all right, I'm a teaching and I'm pursuing this acting thing and I'm coaching soccer. So, <laughs> but it was like, I have to have this because I'm as passionate about teaching as about acting as I am about soccer and teaching. So it was like, whoa, when I went to Emotep, I asked the principal, she was like, I told her one day, I said, hey, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I was like, because I don't know if you can have more than one passion. She was like, Son, you can have many passions. It's just where you, how you invest your time in each one of them. And what you decide is where you want to go. And so once she said that, I was like, okay, boom, let me see how I can divide the time up and be, be fair. And wow. And that year that ended in 2016, at the end of the school year, the owner of MOTEP, she called me, Ms. Rosenberg, she called me into the office. She was like, hey, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, so we're not going to renew your contract for next year. And I was like, what? Okay. I said, okay, um, I can just come back. I can teach twice, maybe twice a week. I can." She said, no. <laughs> we see that your acting is really like, we want you, we, we don't want to hold you back. And we feel like we're holding you back. So we just want you to go, to fly. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to have no job though. Right. <laughs> so interesting, right, Jason? Because you spoke about how, from early on, you kind of gravitated to just this natural energy of music industry, then to be a part in college, the different programs that you were a part of, to act in different things like that, to teaching and different things like that. And now you're faced with a principal calling you into the office and saying that we're not going to renew your contract or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. At what point did you realize that you were making the right choice? And did it take for that opportunity for you to realize that perhaps acting is what you really do need to pursue? Honestly, Kim, it was that. It was almost that, you know how like the bird, the mama bird pushes the baby bird out of nest, mm-hmm. and she's like, it's time. It's time. Either you're going to fly or you're going to fall. So yeah. it, it was kind of like, I needed that. Yeah. To, almost affirm the fact that you know what you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and i think after that happened i called my cousin i was like yo my contract is not renewed what 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 am i gonna do he was like man you could do uber you could do postmates you could do doordash all these options are out there for you while you're and i was like all right cool do that i went once again went to the creator and was like listen i want everything that i do to come from acting i want all of my whatever However, I am, I'm going to be financed. I want that to come from acting. So my friend of mine told me about this thing called standardized patients at Emory University. They need actors to act for the doctors who are in. And so I was like, yo, okay. So I did that. My storytelling, the young lady who reached out and said she was the manager of Oh, Say the Dark Secret. Mm -hmm. She was like, hey, she saw me at the library because I started doing storytelling. She was like, my children love you. I want to manage you. 
Oh, wow. And so she began to manage my storytelling career. So that shifted and I started doing storytelling for like all the libraries throughout Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, and then my agent, she hit me up and she was like, hey, do you want to do voiceover? And I was like, sure. She said, well, here's an audition for Adidas. I did the audition. I said, how do I do it? She said, go in your closet, record on your phone, and that's all you got. And so I did that. And about two weeks later, she called me back. She was like, hey, um, are you sitting down? I was like, no. She was like, you booked the job. Oh, and wow. Like, what? And so it was just like. Just a nice little flow. Yes. I mean, a complete flow. Complete yeah. flow. And I'm like, wow. But I like how you decided. You made a great decision. You was like, people throw out Uber, DoorDash, all of those kind of things. And you was like, okay, cool. But I want what's going to finance me to be manifested through acting. And yeah. in any way that it comes, that's how I want to be able to make a living. And yeah. so you, I love that, Jason. I love that mm -hmm. because it really sets the tone for what it is and where you have come to now. So... Mm -hmm. Tell us about, like I said, the podcast is about your happiness, empowerment, and development. Yes. Tell us about how you were able to achieve those three pillars. And was there any struggles in getting that? Because I know you don't smile all the time. Chase <laughs> <laughs> from A to Yale. Yes, he does. I, mean, yes. I feel like Jason just sleep like with a smile. Okay? So I was like, hey, <laughs> you know? But the same part, I'm telling you, Chase and I met what? We had to be in 2000, maybe five or six or something like that, maybe seven. Oh, wow, and yeah. um, so now we're looking at what, 13 years of, yeah. and I applied for a job at IMOTEP and you was, it had to have been that year that they probably didn't renew your contract. But because you were still there, it was like 20, it had to be 2016. Yeah. And they wow. were still there. But yeah, yeah. They, they didn't tell me they weren't giving it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. But I, I had comfort in knowing that you was there. I was like, oh, this is like reuniting, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's very interesting, just mm -hmm. of the connection and even how we spoke of earlier. You mentioned EC West. Yes. My son went to EC West. Wow. Like so many God. connections that just the two of us have yeah. just in this arena. Mm. Very That's interesting. Crazy. And then seven, 13 years later, you're on a podcast with this beautiful person here that you've <laughs> met, right? Full circle. Full yes. circle. Yes, Kim, tell us full about circle. that hair. Tell us about that happiness, empowerment, and development. It's so interesting because, like, I did Postmates for a little while. I did Uber Eats for a little while. I did DoorDash for a little while. But once again, it was like you said, it was that me speaking, man, speaking to the universe and saying, this is what I want. Um, let's co-create and the universe was like that's all you had to do all right and so that happened there were moments when it was like all right I got 67 cents in my account right I don't yeah. get that check doesn't deposit until Friday this is Monday and it's like all right <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do <laughs> let me call let me call my sister hey did y'all cook today <laughs> can I get some I did have those moments and figuring out okay rent I got to figure out how to flip this rent and but this is all happening but at the same time there were moments where it was kind of like some not uncertainty but like just pensiveness but I always knew like but you're doing what you're supposed to be doing though 
Right. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, though, bro. It'll all and work out. It'll all work out. It totally will. And I have a support system that's like no other. My family, oh, my God. My mom and daddy have been to every single play that I've done since I've been acting. All right, wow. man. Wait you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like that support. I got cousins and aunts and uncles that my support system is strong. And fam- and friends, they're like, yo, if you need something, let me know. You know, my homeboy, he's like, yo need something let me know and i'm like all right cool 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 so you know just that support system was always like a blessing it was once again affirmation like you you're doing what you're supposed to be doing stay the course stay the course and so with that development i think the development came that was a part of the happiness the happiness came from like knowing that i i'm supported like knowing that there's nothing like it to have that sense of support, knowing that you have that support mechanism. It brings this reassurance and it brings a, a sense of happiness too. Like whenever I would see them at the play, I was like, they were my mom and daddy, y'all. There they go, there they go, there they go. You know what I'm <laughs> And so my mom would be like, did you get paid though? And I'm like, mama, yeah, this one I didn't, it's, but it's all love. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that, but then the development piece came from me wanting to hone my craft. So I, once again, am a true advocate. And while I was at Emotep, there were days where I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to go through our assignment. And I need y'all to help me with this audition because I got to audition as soon as I leave. And I need, I have, I just got it. So, and the students would be like, oh yeah, Mr. Lauda, I can help you. I can help you. And we would do <laughs> The development came from me training. Like I was like, okay, I have to train. I have to be a master at this craft. And so taking classes from everybody, Dwayne Boyd, uh, Victor Love, that's my acting dad right now, but um, Drama Inc., I was just going to take classes anywhere and everywhere I could because I wanted to become a master at my craft. And then the empowerment, I think, once again, my acting dad, Evolve Atlanta Studios, Victor Love, like he spoke life into his students. He speaks life into us. And so... We always would meditate before class started to get a grounding so we can be grounded while we do the work. Mm -hmm. And then after we would complete the work, we would always check out. So we would check in and then check out and see how we were doing like from a mental and emotional space. Um, And so I applied that to my classes. I would check in with my students. Like I said, you know what? This is great. So we would check in before class starts. And right right before class ended, I would check out with everybody and make sure that did I miss anything? Do you guys have any questions? Like, I really had to do that because I was like, man, that empowered me. So I want to empower them. Mm. And so it all flowed. It just flowed. It really did. It really did. <laughs> You're just a flowing brother. <laughs> right now, Jason. Yes. So you talked to us about your happiness and your empowerment and your development. What's going on today? Like, tell us about your today. And because you've been through all of this kind of, trials and tribulations like what yeah. what's happening today cressy <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah it's been beautiful like from the beginning literally from the beginning until now um the journey has been beautiful i um i've been blessed to recur on black lightning yeah um, an amazing like a really amazing show what it is, is that it puts us into this world where a black man is a superhero, right? His family is so connected into that. Now this, his family has become superheroes. His daughters are superheroes now. And so I've been blessed to play the role of Frank Two Bits Tanner. And it, that was cool. I have a friend that, that was at work watching it, Black Knight. I was like, 
I know an actor on there. His name is Jason Louder. And she was like, mm -hmm. I was like, no, he plays Frank. She was like, mm. and then your name came up. She was like, is this him, Cheryl? I was like, yeah, that's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> that right there has been so crazy, that journey. But it's been a blessing because just meeting um, Mar Brock Akil and Celine McKeel, like knowing who they are as a team, yeah. um, just beautiful to see them work. You know what I'm saying? And then meeting... Oh my God, Cress Williams and Anissa and just China and McLean. And just like, it's just amazing. It's just amazing people who I've been blessed to be able to just work with. So that has been a blessing. And season four is coming up and we're like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got You're there. It. <laughs> so that's been cool. That's been really cool. And then, yeah, Wu Tang and American Saga. Listen. Wow. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's monumental <laughs> yeah truly when I first heard Wu-Tang Clan in 94 I was at Riverwood and a friend of mine he um was like yo you heard this you heard this tape you heard this tape and I was like <laughs> the tape right <laughs> so I got my Walkman yes <laughs> and I, <laughs> I played it on my Walkman on the bus and the it bus. was like whoa yeah and so from that point I was like I'm a fan of Wu-Tang I mean of course we knew one of the dopest hip hop groups in period. Yeah. Um, and so being on that show though, it's like history. I was like, Yo, it's another full circle. Full circle, right? Yeah. I was blessed to meet the RZA and I was like, hey, listen, I said, bro, your music, you got you guys inspired us. You guys yeah. inspired me. Y'all influenced us so much. And he was like, you acting like I'm old. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. But you never know the impact that you would have. The yeah. fact that you even shared that you had your students involved in helping you prepare also for auditions. Mm -hmm. The fact that you also mentioned that you also took what your mentor did for you. You now instill that in the classroom with your students to mentor them, to check in and to also check out, which speaks high volumes. What, it's what louder it? than than <laughs> you can imagine, right? Hey. Or, or, or when you think about it, just everything full circle. Your last name louder. Just the impact. Your voice. The people that is touching. The impact that it has. What is it, Kim? It's the abundance of. It's the abundance. <laughs> it's the abundance. Your key words that you said in this interview: manifesting. You put something out there, like Sherry said, and totally to agree with. The fact that you spoke to the universe to say, this is how I would like for my life to be financed by mm -hmm. doing these type of things mm -hmm. to touch people. You have no idea. And what would be interesting is to see or to even hear some of your old students yeah. mm -hmm. talk mm -hmm. about where they are now. And if the check in and check out is something that they still do, not mm -hmm. only with themselves, but if they have now introduced that to others. Oh, my God. Was, Mr. Louder, you're just loud. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'll be interested in to know, like, Romar kids, because I have a relationship. You know, we had a relationship. I would be interested in knowing where they are. But let's sum this all up. What advice would you give or recommendations would you give to others in trying to find their happiness, empowerment, and development? And specifically to men, because our whole month of June is about highlighting and featuring men who have been through different things and are sharing their narratives and testimonies of how they were able to find their head. What is some of the recommendations you would give to some of these young brothers? Oh, wow. 
even in talking to one of, like I said, one of my students, he DM'd me maybe about a month ago. He said, Mr. Louderman, I'm so proud of you for following your dream. Like that has inspired me to follow my dream. And I was like, wow, I didn't know. I was just doing this. I just want to be an act. I realized that this is what I want to do. And like he said that it inspired him to follow his. I'm like, wow, man. That light is just being passed on now. Yeah, which is a blessing, right? This is truly a blessing. So I tell anybody, especially young men, to find that thing that makes you like wake up in the morning. You just want to do it. Nobody has to ask you to do it or tell you to do it. When you find that thing that wakes you up in the morning and gives you like this joy and gives you this desire to just do, that's the thing that you want to tap into, lock into, and become a master at that. Whatever that thing is, like become a master at it. And that mastery takes, when Oprah Winfrey talks about, what is it, 100,000 hours? Mm-hmm. And so that I realized that 100,000 hours ends up being, it's about 10 years. Yeah. So to really master something, it's going to take about 10 years to really get into that rhythm and to find your, your flow. I, I got to keep going back to flow. And don't let anybody tell you no. My thing is that if I let people tell me no, I would have stopped. The only time you lose is when you stop. If you quit, outside of that, you're never going to lose. Yeah. Just don't quit. Don't quit. That's a good way to indicate of how to incorporate that happiness, empowerment, development, even in young, midlife, mature, because some people want to start late in life when they realize what their passion was, but never had a voice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> never really had a voice in it. You know what I mean? So you're an awesome example of how it doesn't matter how old you are, what you're doing or anything. And so thank you so much for coming on, Jason. We greatly, greatly yes. appreciate this. this thank is- you. This was a, yet another great episode. Great interview. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to y'all. Like you guys are using this platform to uplift and to share stories and in sharing our stories we begin to inspire each other so i think you guys are no i don't think y'all are an inspiration because you guys are inspiring others so i just thank y'all for being so mindful and very like delicate and sensitive when it comes to the topic of empowerment and development and happiness happiness I really do appreciate love y'all, like 100%. And I mean, I got a new A-Town. I got a new A-Town homie. You know yes, what I'm you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Thanks for joining us this week on Giving Head, the podcast. And make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook for more information on this head episode. And as always, subscribe to the show to catch every new head episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you that good head. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.